Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Almighty Podcast. This is Adam, and as always, I am joined by my good buddy, Michael Adkins. How you doing, pal? You stole my line, but you forgot the nerds I on did. earth part. We're just gonna we're just gonna keep uh, it in. Yeah. Since I'm editing, this is all it. staying in. <laughs> <laughs> How you been? How you doing? It's been a couple of weeks. We uh, we had to postpone our recording and luckily we had one in the bag, so we got a little bit of a break there, but it's been a while. It has been. I mean, uh, the break wasn't something that either of us wanted, but one of us was kind of dying. Um, that would be you. Yeah. So uh, it's okay. It wasn't Corona. I am safe and sound, so that's all that matters. Yeah. So we're we're back at it, and we luckily we did like the time before this one that we sat down to record. We just banged out two quick episodes because we could. We I don't know why we didn't have the thought that we could uh, put a couple of these Vigilantes episodes in the can because we can read ahead on these things. Um, we're not waiting on the anime episodes to release, so. That's uh that's us just being dumb, which is uh kind of, you know, on uh on point for us. It's on brand. But uh yeah, we're back at it. We're sitting back down uh to vigilantes. We we took a little break and covered the OVAs and now we're back to covering almost the rest of volume five of My Hero Academia Vigilantes. And these chapters were excellent, like really good. I I really really enjoyed these. The, I think we've mentioned the last couple of ones that we've read. They've been okay, but not a lot happening. In fact, I think there was one where we just like totally glossed over half of what happened in a chapter. So these episodes or chapters are incredible, though. Like they really got me back into wanting to read Vigilantes. Oh yeah, especially like these four chapters compared to the the four chapters or episodes that pre- that immediately precede them, there is no comparison. Like these four chapters, we're going to read episodes slash chapters 31, 32, 33, and 34 uh, and discuss those today. And they beat the ever-loving hell out of uh, chapters 27, 28, 29, and 30. I mean, there's, it's no contest. 31 through 34 is, it's just, there's life in them that there wasn't in the previous four chapters. And Yeah, they, they feel important, you know? Yeah, and there's just a lot of movement, like stuff is happening. It still seems like, I mean, towards the end, I guess, a little bit more of the the like bird's eye view um, significance returns to the series when we kind of see who might be behind some of the stuff that goes on right, right at the very end. Um, but yeah, I mean, these these episodes were, were pretty awesome. I'm, I'm excited to talk about them. There's a lot of really fun stuff that goes on, and we get to see some familiar faces, including Aizawa the Goat, so... Uh, and that's, he's yeah, not an yeah, animal yeah. now. He's just the greatest of all time. So <laughs> Bezawa is, uh, he's in one of these, uh, episodes pretty early on. So, well, let's go ahead and just get right into it, man. Episode 31, uh, is named on tour for me. I don't know about you though. Day tripping down to Naniwa. I like that too. That's uh that's pretty on the nose. Uh, we basically start off with finding out that pop step is kind of trying out. It seems like to go on tour. That's how I understood it anyways. I thought, yeah, I, I couldn't tell, it, you know, you get a little bit of discussion amongst some of her stage mates from the, uh, from the mall and the little jingle and dance and show that they did twice for some stupid reason, um, right. inside of the pages of the manga. Uh, so they're a little jealous that she's got this other gig and it seemed like it was almost like a showcase of regional, um, like idols or regional personalities. They used the term mascot, but that felt a little weird to me because not everybody was like dressed up. You know, I hear mascot, I think like Albert the alligator from University of Florida or whatever, you know. Um, exactly, yeah. Or we've got the uh, the dog up here. The dog, yes. I don't uh, remember what his name is. Smokey. Uh, is it Smokey? I'm, pre- I'm 99% sure it is. That makes me feel like we should have a bear. <laughs> that would be a lot cooler. You know what yeah. I mean? So uh, anyway, Pop is, she's, she's gone off, um, to, to be at whatever this thing is. And the funniest part about this, I mean, they, they start with the pretty good laughs pretty early on where the two, what are they called? The feather hats? Um, the twins are. Yeah, I think that's what their name is. They're talking back and forth about Pop and, uh, and Koichi being gone. And one of them says that Koichi is the kind of guy who misses the train while buying bento boxes. And then the, yeah. <laughs> you turn the page, and that's exactly what has happened. Is Koichi is like running beside this train as Popstep is inside of it, and she's yelling his name, and he's running with a bento box in his hand, and he just says, "I missed the train while while buying bento boxes." And I don't know why, it but it made perfect. me laugh out loud. It was just good comedic timing because it involved a turn of the page. If that makes any sense, it it absolutely does because I had the same reaction. I thought it was really funny, uh, and it was just a nice way to start the chapter too. It was a really just easy transition. 
Uh, and Pop ends up calling Mikado, and I guess it's Mikado. She doesn't say, but I think it she's is. explaining that Koichi missed the bus. And, you know, it's great because out of nowhere, he pops up and explains that he was able to kind of like reverse his power. So he's he kind of leveled up again. Uh, and he, he was so he was able to reverse the force that he uses to like suction cup up against this this tram and uh, stick on the whole time. Yeah, and he says that he's kind of subconsciously done this before where to like kind of... Like turning into turns, yeah. Yeah, to, to, to kind of deal with the G-forces that he creates when he's moving quickly and take, taking sharp turns when he's down on all fours. He's subconsciously uh, managed to kind of suck himself. I think he says he, he clamps down is the term that he uses um, to, to kind of suck himself and keep him uh, in contact with the ground instead of like doing a barrel roll off to the side. But it is really funny because even after saying, I think I've kind of been doing this the whole time, he's just like, I've awakened to a new move. And he says it like, oh, right. it's, it's got gravity <laughs> of its own because it's all bold and stuff. I wonder if he's just going to like be able to eventually fly at this point because we know he was able to as a kid, it seemed like. So I wonder if that's where this is going to go. That'd be pretty neat. It would be interesting. Well, he he certainly falls in love with this clinging to the wall bit because he starts doing it everywhere. <laughs> like there's yeah, a panel. It's very Spider-Man-esque. Yeah, definitely. And he's already like a Spider-Man analog. And so now this cranks it up a couple notches. And it's really funny because definitely. there's just this panel where he's stuck up on a wall and he's just like, look, I'm doing it. Wall cling. And she's just like, yeah, yeah, good for you. <laughs> like, stop doing this now. So he's super excited about this new power. Yeah, like work on that once we get home. And as he's hanging up there, we get this guy that runs by and just like knocks him over and knocks over this little stand and introducing Fat Gum into the vigilantes. He's like walking after this villain that's running away and eating some uh, tokoyaki. And it's so great because this guy pulls a gun, shoots Fat Gum. He, of course, absorbs it and gets mad because the guy knocked his food out of his hands. So he's like flicking him in the face. For every single uh, chicken stick that he he dropped, basically. It's great. Takoyaki. I know I've said this before on this podcast, but every time I hear that word, it makes me think of the scene from Battle of Gods where Vegeta cooks, because he cooks takoyaki, yeah. I'm pretty sure. And uh, that scene is just so funny. Well, and for some reason in this in this one panel that he's got this box full of them and it says Takoyanki. Yeah. So I, I wonder that if that's like a, like a brand name or something. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. How do you Yankee-fy takoyaki? Um, or, you know, maybe it's just... I, I don't know. Maybe it was just... Maybe this is, an uh, you know, a displaced American who has moved to Japan and is really good at making takoyaki. And so this is just... That's just <laughs> what he calls his company. But Fat Gum starts telling this guy that he's going to hit him back for each wrong he did. And he hits him six times. And the dude's like, but you only shot me... I only shot you once. And he says, yeah, but you maybe drop 36 of those takoyakis. So he's getting ready yeah. to just slap this dude 36 <laughs> times. <laughs> but luckily, Koichi was able to catch them all and he returns them. And so Fat Gum is like, oh, well, six of these are yours. And then he starts like shoving them into the villain's face. I love so much about this scene. So first thing that I absolutely adore about this is this is another Spider-Man thing like do you remember the first toby mcguire spider-man where somebody trips in the lunchroom and he manages to like stack it all up on the tray uh-huh yeah um, that's what him catching the takoyakis sliding sliding and gliding around catching the takoyakis reminded me of that fun fact too toby mcguire actually caught that like none of that is cgi i was gonna say the same thing like they had to shoot that several times yeah to, if i remember correctly it's just funny because uh so you, that scene comes to mind and then uh there's a scene in one of the alien movies where sigourney weaver throws a basketball backwards over her head and it yeah. goes straight into the net and that was not cg at all like they oh just, wow <laughs> they took that they shot it until she made it and so like That's the incredible. expression on um what's the guy who was hellboy that you cast for somebody in uh my hero Oh, Ron Perlman? Ron Perlman. The look on his face when she makes that shot is genuine. (laughs) Yeah. So interesting fun fact about the Alien movies I found out. This is what we've turned into, fun facts. Uh, The first Aliens movie, when they did the casting, they were just the last names of the characters. There were no first names. And so when they, you know, like auditioned everybody out, there was no, like, this is a female, this is a male. They just put people in whatever last name they thought was going to fit the best. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. The the other cool thing about this scene that is just endearing to me is Fat Gum's feeding of the six takoyaki that he had smacked this guy for. He was just like, listen, <laughs> they, they're yours. Like, I smacked you for them. 
so you you're they're yours now like they're, they're no longer my property um just that the way that he thought through the justice of what he had done was really interesting to me and so i really liked i mean it's like two panels it's two panels back to back and i thought it would those those two moments were really cool well, I love the fact, too, that like in the very beginning when he introduces himself, he says something like, oh, you think a little toy like that could hurt fat gum, the tender tank of Nanawa? So it, it lives up to what you're saying. Like the guy has this real tender heartedness about this this guy that he beat up for no reason almost. <laughs> it is pretty awesome. And he totally is just cool with these guys with uh, Pop Step and Koichi walking with him to this mall because they, they yeah. say that they're going to the Super Saiyan mall. I keep, I'm going to call it Super Saiyan mall because they call it the SS mall and SS always means Super Saiyan to me. Every single time. Yeah, every time. So she's, he's like, oh, yeah, I'm going that way. Why don't we just walk together? That's cool. Um, and I just thought, I mean, he's just, he's a chum. He's just chummy. But they end up at this place that they're, they call it the mascot idol carnival. And this is the thing that uh, Pop, Shep is, uh, Pop Step is showing up for. And there are a couple people, to be fair, in the background of this that are dressed up in what I would identify as mascot costumes. Yeah, there's like some guy that looks like he's a sun with snot coming out of his nose. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, a couple couple other guys in like big, teddy bear blocky, looking bulky looking costumes. Yeah. And there's even a girl that kind of looks like Pop Step. She's got like big stars for hair. Right, right. Then they have one of them approaches them. Uh, and she introduces herself as Monica Kanayashiki, and her hair is in the shape of a crab. It took me like three pages to catch on to that. Uh, I don't know if that grabbed you immediately, but yeah. I was like, in two pages, I was like, holy crap, her hair looks like a crab. Well, because she mentioned something about hiki crab, and so that's kind of when I keyed in on it. Okay, so I I looked that up because, you know, I was fairly certain that this naming convention would, is just here to stay by this point. And so this face that she makes is very intentional, that like ugly, flattened face with, gr with the grimace on it. Yeah. Because there's actually a crab called the, the Haikigani crab that has its, its upper shell looks almost exactly like that. And so <laughs> that panel, I was very confused by it at first. I was like, why in the world is she making this face? Like she's being overly aggressive for no reason. Yeah. Um, but when you look at the shell of this crab, she's just imitating the crab. And I thought that that was a really cool touch um, and choice on behalf of the artist. Right. Now I'm looking one up. Oh, you're right. Wow. Totally. That's freaky. Yep. So, and she does it a couple of times. So it's, it's something that comes back around. But the first time I was like, what in the world is she doing with her face? <laughs> it's she's, she's making herself look like this crab. And she's kind of a weird character. We find out maybe a little bit more about her in the next chapter, just right off the bat, without knowing what we know about her now. She's really strange. Like, she keeps talking about uh, snipping, and she's got this little, like, bit that she does, and she's trying to sell this whole, like, crab idol, I guess. It's just really strange. It's funny because the, there's a panel where she's she's like, I'm about to snip you good, and She's skittering left and right and it reminded me of Zoidberg from Futurama. Yeah, totally. The, some of the episodes where he like, not the ones where he scurries off where he's like, boop, 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 but also that, um, but he also has some where he get like gets combative and he uh, assumes a stance like this and it's really funny. But yeah, she's kind of crazy and kooky and quirky and kind of all over the place. She's very much into uh, the, the company that she's working for and this particular type of crab. She's so into it, in fact, that Koichi's like, hey, maybe you better come up with a shtick or a, tr a trademark and, and uh, really lean into it like this lady. And Pop Step wants none of it. Which is kind of strange because she does kind of have her own shtick, really. I mean, she has this like look about her, you know what I mean, that has been her shtick this whole time. So yeah, I mean, her shtick is that she bounces, you know, yeah. Um, that's that's her thing. She's good at it, apparently. She draws a crowd, so there is that. Right. Well, we find out that there is this whole other bit happening behind this weird meetup that she's at, where Fat Gum and Sukoichi are actually working together to go after some possible, like, underground drug dealers. It seems like they may be, like, smuggling drugs through these crab delivery services. <laughs> so there's a whole lot more going on behind the scenes that we're made aware of. Yeah, and Sukauchi is suspicious of Pop Step just because he recognizes her from Naruhada. Well, I, I, the reason I figured that made sense is because there were a whole bunch of uh, the trigger events happening there, I guess you could say. And she was almost at every single one of them, so. That is true. I'll, and I'll grant you that. It would that. be really weird to see her in another city conveniently, you know what I mean? Right, right. 
Okay, that's fair. His suspicion is on point then. Detective Adam on the case. Just saying, you know, I thought it was valid. I'm like, all right, Tsukuichi's got it going on, you know. So we begin episode 32, which is called, in, uh, in the production manga anyway, is called Idols Keep Their Secrets. What you got? Ooh, mine is named The Job. The Job. Way, way less cool. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, got, like, I like yours a lot better too yeah <laughs> mine's got uh, you know a few more words and some spice and you're just like it's the job uh but we begin with pop step doing her uh her little jingle from the marukani department store thankfully they keep it blissfully and uh and just mercifully short it's it's only a page and she doesn't do the whole thing um but now she's off the stage and her and koichi are uh, gonna go for a little walkabout and check out some of the other vendors and booths yeah, and uh, they end up running into the the girl from the last chapter. Oh, you you said her name. I'm not going to try to attempt it. Yeah, her. Uh, so it's Monica. You could just say Monica. It's Monica. Fine. Okay, there we go. So Monica, uh, and she is singing "Snip Snip Clip Clip Kanidoji," which I guess is for her her company. And she's in this crab mech suit, and it's basically like they use this for their warehouse workers, I guess. And she has repurposed it as a walking advertisement. It also made me think of the movie Aliens, which we had already yeah, talked about. Yeah, it is kind of like that. Interesting, yeah. It is similar to their little mech suits that they were in. Yeah, and so, yeah, she calls it her costume, um, and Koichi <laughs> and doesn't Koichi's buy it. like, that counts? Yeah, <laughs> Koichi <laughs> yeah. doesn't buy it at all. But she, uh, she ends up oh, getting told yeah. that it's her time to go on stage, so she starts to skitter her way uh, towards the the stage, but uh, she decides that she has to use the restroom. Um, and it's it's... A front like she's she's basically not ever going to get on stage uh but she is she's being basically being called in to kind of do some snooping so she excuses herself to use the restroom says she'll be right back and that leaves koichi kind of standing next to uh one of these other managers looking for somebody else to go on stage and pop step is going to get drafted but uh, we we don't see that for quite a bit because we transition to bezawa um in the middle of this chapter he's chasing down these two guys who just look like two dudes. I mean... At first? Yeah. They just look like... I mean, like, in dudes. They look like... They look like Bretts. You know what I mean? Like two... Yeah, like Chads. Yeah, Chads. That's, that's, the, that's the word I was looking for. Um, backwards hats, hoodie up, you know, and they're running through the streets. And if Aizawa's on their tail, then something's going on. And so Aizawa introduces himself. I'm the pro hero eraser head. And uh, these two immediately pop trigger, like no hesitation. They just start jamming syringes into their necks and turn into these things that uh, that look like kind of like grasshopper common rider, uh, common riders. Um, I think totally, one of the yeah. one of the little like extras at the end of one of the chapters talks about that as well. But yeah, they totally transform into grasshopper common riders looking dudes. What's crazy is I don't even see where they pop any trigger in this, but I mean, it immediately happens. It makes me think that they've got like fake trigger teeth, you know, like they just pop the <laughs> tooth out like a cyanide tooth or something. It's in the panel right next to where Aizawa introduces himself. If you look in the next panel over, there's one of them's already a grasshopper, but then the other one has got something and he's jamming it into his neck and it says, Psh. oh, I see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I see so it there. It's an yep, injection. Yep. I thought that they, because I, I just saw the rip part and I thought it was his skin ripping. I'm like, oh, gross. And Aizawa loves that they take the trigger immediately because he's like, oh, you're using trigger right off the bat. No need to check the contents of your stomach then. I love when things are nice and rational. So he just gets to go ham on these guys because he knows that yeah. they're, they're definitely doing the bad things. Right. Yeah. There's no question here. Like he can unleash. Uh, so he does and he takes them down. It's great. I mean, and he has this weird flashback where they're talking about the possibility of more people being out there with Trigger and needing Aizawa to kind of go out and do, like, basically groundwork. I mean, they kind of turned him into, like, a low-level investigator. Yeah, the best part about this little flashback, though, is he's complaining kind of to himself at the end of this as he's sitting on top of the two, uh, what are they called, the Hada brothers? The Hada brothers. Um, he's sitting on top of one of them and he's reflecting back on midnight, kind of suckering him or voluntolding him uh, into this position with uh, Sue Couchy. And he says, all because she won't take no for an answer. Before I know it, she'll have me working as a school teacher for real, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is funny because great. we know that he totally does. Yep. Yep. Man, it's awesome. And and he pretty much tells the, the Hada brothers right off the bat, like, look, I'm not a cop and this is not really a formal interrogation. And you, we can just call your violent quirk you self-defense since I kind of egged you on. Uh, and, you know, using triggers in a gray zone. So let's just call this a friendly chat, but I need information. And at first, the two guys are like, well, we're not going to say anything. It doesn't matter what you do. 
and he shows them this picture of a man and like another cricket looking creature. Uh, so you can assume that they're one and the same and this person also used trigger. And he asks them like, you know, do you know who this person is? And they immediately recognize him and are like, oh yeah, that's Kamayan. Yeah. And you know, he, he went missing. Like, do you know where he's at? Like they immediately, you can almost tell that they're concerned about their friend. This is probably the first news they've heard about him. It's funny too. you had mentioned those two pictures where you can assume that they're the same. You can tell that they are the same because they have the exact same uh, like cheekbones. Um, yeah, they've the, got like the, the same human jawline. The bug. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, great. But yeah, then this makes Aizawa and the two Hata brothers kind of chummy because he un, un, uh, unbinds them, like takes his, his wrappings off of them. And they just sit around having coffee while Aizawa is catching them up on what he knows about uh, Kamayan and uh, trying to get some extra information out of them. I think they're like at their own coffee shop that they own. Yeah, I bet that says it says recycle shop hoppers, um, but yeah. it's definitely two grasshoppers, which is on the nose a bit. Uh, but it is it is pretty cool. It's a fun touch. Yeah, it was it was. Uh, but they're kind of shocked to hear that like this their friend was like a giant because he's explaining to them or because Isaiah was explaining to them that he was taken in because he turned into this giant bug and attacked, and uh, they mentioned that it was probably some bad trigger. And they're like, you know, the, there's this trigger out there that's mixed with uppers that cause you to go crazy. It just caused people to rampage. And it was really popular about like six months ago, which is really probably the start of Vigilantes, I would assume. This is all of the stuff we've been reading about. And the guys have this funny exchange where they're talking about how like their trigger is really pure and it doesn't have all of that extra stuff in it. But, you know, they cut it with pills to stop balding and ED. Yeah. <laughs> and then they're immediately embarrassed about it. Yeah, so they refer to the trigger with uppers in it as bad trigger, and this kind of piques Aizawa's curiosity, so he continues to kind of push them on this. And of course, the first thing that he does, though, I thought was super funny. He's like, I doubt you two have a license to sell pharmaceuticals. And then yeah. they, so they both start rationalizing, but all it does is make them look worse. <laughs> so right. like one of them was like, yeah, my hair's gotten kind of thin recently. And the other guy's like, and I needed some assistance down there. Uh, and I was just like, all right, let's start. To, let's let's get back to this bad trigger stuff. I don't want to know about your ED. Yeah. And remember earlier when I was talking about the girl, uh, Monica, that is really strange and how she gets even stranger. Well, Aizawa mentioned something to these two guys about the crab root, wanting to know if they've ever heard of it. And we immediately transition back over to Monica, who is still singing the snip, snip, clip, clip, la, 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 la song. And she's changing into like battle gear. I mean, she's putting on like a bulletproof vest. She's got her gun strapped to her side now. And she also has like radio control. Uh, and she's talking with Fat Gum. Yeah. And she is, she's kind of, she's an undercover cop is what we learn. Um, but she's deeply in love with, uh, the role that she has assumed this like idol slash mascot. Um, I mean, she loves the jingle, obviously she can't stop singing it. Uh, and it's kind of funny because fat gum and her go back and forth about what, what it is, what part of her fantasy she actually thinks is reality, especially like the beauty part. And so fat gum's just like, I, I can't tell if you're being serious right now. <laughs> and she's just like, I wasn't, I wasn't joking about me being pretty. Uh, so that was, uh, they go back and forth a little bit, uh, a little bit further on in this chapter as well about that. But, uh, Sue Couchy is trying to rein these guys in and they're like, listen, they've, they, they've already started unloading, um, these, these crab vans. So we need you to go in there and confirm or deny the presence of these drugs as quickly as you can. So she's just like the hottie investigator is moving out and she does the, uh, the, the crab face. The hecky, what was that? Thing? Yeah, the Hekigani uh, crab face again. <laughs> yeah, and Fat Gum is like, enough with the gags, Kaneko. Nobody gets it. <laughs> so that leads us into episode 33 called Stumbling into Nasty Business and something much more lame in your version, I'm sure. Uh, it's just called Infiltrate. Ah, man. Strike two. Yeah, at these least. aren't very good. And normally I feel like it's swapped. Normally I feel like the my, my titles are a little bit more on point. That's funny. Yeah, well. Manga for the win. Um, but we, we find out that Popstep has been conscripted into the giant crab mecha suit. Uh, t- so she's basically going to have to fill Monica's shoes for this particular portion of the performance yeah, or the showcase. So we still weird. don't 100% know. Like, I, I just don't understand why they would out of nowhere be like, sure, you can fill in. You don't know our jingle. We don't sponsor you. We've not paid you. And we're going to put you in this mech suit that might kill you. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many variables here that I'm just so shocked that they would do this. 
And what's really funny is his basic advice to her is just get out there and act like a crab. Yeah. <laughs> and she doesn't really even do that. They can well. look good and crab like. <laughs> yeah. And even Koichi asks, like, is it okay that you just replace your official mascot idol with another one? And the guy's like, well, idol, what are you talking about? Who? Like Monica? Like, no, she's she's not really an idol. She was just like the sales lady. She's really good at selling crabs. <laughs> but she's got a bad habit of disappearing on the job is what he yeah. says, which is indicative that, you know, it kind of points towards her, uh, her undercover role. Um, but she is rolling up on the Essoa Super Saiyan Mall loading dock. And uh, the there are a couple of guys in these mech crab suits unloading pallets uh, stacked full of boxes that are presumably filled with frozen crab. But she's got to figure out a way to check uh, whether or not that is actually the case, despite the fact that they are marked very clearly with shipped fresh mailing labels. So she's on the scene and she's talking uh, to Sukauchi and Fat Gum, and she has to devise a way to kind of get in there and discern the actual contents of those boxes without being too suspicious. She's still trying to maintain her cover for the time being anyway. Yeah, and in between us seeing what she does uh, in this little scene here, we get kind of a flashback where they give this full rundown and they're explaining how difficult it's going to be to catch these villains that are transporting these drugs, uh, but even more so because, according to some information from one of Sukuichi's colleagues, this isn't about financial gain. So because there's no real financial side to this, it makes their actions like least, or not, not least, but less followable because it's, there's no rhyme or reason. They're just doing it for chaos. Uh, and they end up calling this group the Villain Factory, which is kind of a cool name. Ugh, I disagree. I, one of the things that my hero has really struggled with is the names for groups. Like, I, you some, think so? Yes. Some of the names for groups are just, they're, they're not inspired at all. Like League of Villains, Vanguard Action Squad was another one. And I'm just like, eh, that, insp that inspires no fear and trembling in me. And then now you have the Villain Factory. And I'm just like, okay, but that's exactly <laughs> what it is. Like, we, I mean, it's I guess you call it what it is, sure, but this is the official term. <laughs> like, it just feels lackluster. I mean, what would you call it? I don't know, but I'm not a writer for my hero either. Like, it's not my job to That's come fair. up with cool okay. names for stuff. <laughs> it's my job well, as, see, a, a, as a as a as uh, a critiquer and commenter to say I don't like this. I think that this could have been better. That's fair. I and I guess I kind of see it from the perspective of like. I'm willing to bet that Sukoichi's a bit of a nerd. You know what I mean? Like just based off of what we know about him. So he probably thinks this is like a really quirky name for a, you know, villain group. And I bet the villains would be so insulted to hear that like their official file name is villain factory. And so, and that's an interesting point. So say, let's take this, just this villain factory one as, as an example. So say they post in the papers, Sue Couchy gets a headline and he's like, we're, we're cracking down on the villain factory. Like if you're the villain and you have a kick-ass name that's way better than villain factory, don't you call in and be like, hey, that's not what, that's not what this is. That's not what we go by. Like we need you to know that we're called whatever, you know. Um, but Well, even better yet, like how do you, what if you're the villain like waiting for that news headline and they don't even get close to what you really are even doing? Like you don't even know it's you. You're like, is that me? Yeah. Are they talking about me? <laughs> they're so you know? far like, off that you're... That could be, you, that could be Jim over there. Yeah. I, I they're, don't know. <laughs> they're so far off that you can't even tell that it's your work. But then... Exactly. That, like, that works, would be even more insulting. And that works fine for this villain factory example. But the League of Villains, that was their name. Like they were just like... We're just going to be the League of Villains. And I'm just like, all right, well, that's kind of lame. I think I talked about that when they first de debuted their yeah. big ominous name, League of Villains. And I'm like, oh, you're going to call yourselves love? That's, that's quaint. Um, so. <laughs> do you think they voted on it? Oh, like, no. Do I you think it. that the, they had a vote at all? Or, or was there like a, a draw of the hat? Like they, everyone put a name in? and I'm not sure. I don't think there was a vote. If there was a vote, I think it would have only been like Shigaraki and... You know, he would, he would, he's the lion shareholder of that group. So I don't know. But anyway, getting back to this, yeah. um, Monica decides that she needs to get in on this action to, you know, do her job and deduce whether or not they are moving drugs in these frozen crab boxes. So she comes up with this ploy that, um, the, the, the company had sent her out there because the books weren't just adding up. And so she had to ver verify some of the merchandise. So she, Asked to borrow one of the the foremen. There's a guy that's not in a mech suit, just like the the overseer of the work. 
asked to borrow his pad, and then she starts going over to these boxes. And she's explaining that they're supposed to just have crab in them. Um, but she cracks one open because she finds that it's labeled as D, but they, they only have A, B, and C in the catalog on the website. So she breaks open this box that's labeled D for deluxe is what she says. Um, and it, at first she's a little stumped because she does indeed find crab in there, but then she takes a closer look at the quote-unquote ice packets, and there are two different kinds of quote-unquote ice packets. One of them actually is ice, no quotes necessary, uh, but the other one very definitely seems to be not ice, at least not like ice that is solid water, possibly the ice that you in you know snort, um, because I think that's a slang term for cocaine at some point too. I think so. I think you're correct there. Uh, and after she opens this box up and kind of pulls the the product is what I'm going to call it out, uh, one of the workers comes over and he's like, hey, you, you opened up a box like now it's not fit for sale. You know what? That's what are we going to do with this? And, you know, she's like, oh, nag, nag, nag. I'm busy over here. But actually and pulls the gun and points that at him and is like, who the heck are you? And it turns out that this is the guy from uh, a couple chapters ago that was walking away with the bee. So he's got like that same scar on his face. I right. assume it's the same guy. I think so, too. That was uh, so, my first read of it. Yeah, uh, and she apparently knows pretty much all of the staff already, so she knows that this is not someone that works there, uh, and so she is, like, all over it. I mean, what an awesome detective. She's a really cool character. I've, I like what's happened with her. I do, she's too. She's weird. She's a good cop. I mean, she's just like, I know she every is. face yeah. and name of every employee, and you don't check out on either one of those metrics. Uh, so she's like, I found some of these goods. She's talking out of fat gum. And the backup is like, all right, we're on our way. So she's standing there with the evidence that she needs. She's got drugs and she's got the tablet that shows um, the, you know, the basically the inventory. And so she's like, all right, mission accomplished. But then this guy is, he apparently has a speed quirk. And so she says, freeze, move and I'll shoot. But he moves so fast, he's able to run over towards her grab the drugs and the uh, tablet and then get clear across to the other side of the room. And she, he also in the process grabs her gun. So now she's unarmed and without all the material evidence that she was just bragging about having. Yeah. And this was really unexpected. Like I was really shocked that he had a speed quirk. I don't know why I wasn't expecting that, but for some reason, when I saw that villain the first time, the last thing I thought of was going to be speed. Uh, and it's strange that th I think this is the first speed quirk we've seen that doesn't have an obvious reason why he is speedy. Like, we know that with, um, why, what is his name, Ingenium, and his entire family, they all have, like, engines in their legs. It makes sense that they can go fast, but there's no physical alteration, as far as I can tell, that is letting this guy go fast. So I'm kind of curious how his quirk works. Well, the Batman, the man-bat thing didn't have any telltale signs that he would be a, a, a have a quirk that was speedy just flight right um but yeah he, but he yeah, i mean quirk. naturally isn't flight typically faster than than running I mean, I mean in general like i'm thinking like even in pathfinder and dungeons and dragons when you get a flight speed it's normally like 40 feet per round compared to your typical like 25 or 30 so i don't know maybe for some reason that made sense to me the bat thing i didn't question but <laughs> But you question I guess also guy. because he look he looks like a bat, so I'm like that's the alteration there. Like that's because so far almost every quirk has been they've been able to explain it in some sort of sciency way. You know what I mean? And I yeah. like that. I love that about my hero. Uh, I'm interested in seeing what his explanation is. Does it have something to do with his muscles? You know what I mean? Like it can't just be oh he's infused with the speed force, and so it makes sense. Dude, like I, in this world, DC there's science. Then. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I'm a huge DC fan, so I can't say much, but it is, it's just kind of one of those like, well, that's dumb. You know <laughs> what I mean? Like, that's just a really dumb way of explaining it. I've consistently liked how their powers are explained in this world. Like, it's so cool that they have some sort of science that backs it up. It is pretty neat. Uh, and, and I imagine that this won't be the last we see this guy because um, he doesn't no, die gosh, on, no, this, I don't think on so. the scene of this uh, particular encounter. Fat Gum smashes his way onto the scene. And of course, he's just like, well, go, you can go ahead and shoot me all you want, um, because we know that his fat uh, absorbs all that impact. But he's just like, no, nah, I don't think I will. Instead, I'm going to do something completely different. And so he uses his speed quirk to type really quickly or tap really quickly on this tablet and inactivate a protocol on all of those crap mech suits that sets them basically to self-destruct. And the way that this visualizes uh, in the manga is really cool because the little eye stalks light up. Um, I thought that that was just a yeah. really a really silly touch, but I enjoyed it. Imagine being one of those guys trapped in one of them poor mech suits. 
Like even if you don't know that it's about to explode, it starts not being controlled by you and you're strapped right. in like with like metal, it looks like. Um, and that's got to be a terrifying feeling. It's like a bad Iron Man test, you know? It it's in Iron Man two, they they test that, I think. There's like a guy that gets twisted up in one. That's right. Yeah. It's that except with crabs. Um and so they these things just start uh, going haywire with these two dudes strapped on the inside of them. They bum rush uh, fat gum, and the one that Popstep is in also starts acting up elsewhere. Like that is off scene. It's off panel. It's somewhere else, um, which will come back up shortly. But right. the, the end of that chapter or that episode is just her the eye stalks on her crab lighting up, which to us the reader says. All right, whatever just happened, you know, in this back room where it's just pro heroes and a few cops and a couple civvies in these uh, these crab suits is about to happen with uh, Popstep in her crab suit on a stage in front of who knows how many people. So that there's a greater um, potential for destruction with whatever is about to happen to her crab mech suit. So episode 34 in the manga is called Crabtastic Rampage, and there's no way that yours beats that. <laughs> There is no way. Mine's just named Rampage. Crabtastic Rampage. That's Adjectives beautiful. for the win. Yes, I like it. And I really like the the front panel for this issue. It's got Fat Gum and uh, Sukoichi and Monica there. It's just cool. Like, I thought it was really well done. So Fat Gum is being uh, overwhelmed by these crabs. And he's he's just like, you know what, this is this is nothing I can't take. And he starts to retaliate as these one of these things has got one of his hands clamped uh, clamped down and another one strikes him on his head, which doesn't really do much besides make him mad. And he rears back to punch these things. But Monica explains to him that there are, there are two innocent civilians that are not controlling these things strapped to the inside. And so that kind of frustrates him. Um, but we do see that Monica has a quirk. And so she jumps into action and she uses her fingers as scissors and is able to snip through the metal like chest cages that were keeping them strapped, uh, strapped into the crabs. It's uh, her quirk is called snip clip. Most anything gets cleaved between her fingers. I like this too, because it kind of goes along with her like jingle that she's been singing yeah. for the last two chapters. Yeah. So I wonder her if that's persona. why she liked it so much, you know, that could be, yeah. She's just like, Hey, this is great because it works for me personally and professionally. Exactly. Uh, so she's got the hostages secured, and Fat Gum goes to town. He's just like, "All right, I'm gonna go through this," and he's just trying to destroy these mechs. It's awesome. And then the villain is like, "Well, that's not bad," and he like kicks his feet at, because, well, he doesn't kick his feet. So Koichi shoots at him, and he's like dancing. But at first, I thought he was kicking his feet there. Uh, <laughs> but then he like taps on the pad one more time, and he arms him to explode. I mean, these bots are going to go off, and they do. Uh, the, the two in the, uh, in the room where Sukoichi and everybody else is, they do explode. There's this giant, it's three quarters of a page explosion of the, the two yep. mech suits that have been emptied again of those two civilians and they blow up, which again should have your mind racing to pop step who is also exactly. in one of those crab suits and what's going to happen to hers. Uh, and so we start moving, um, in the direction of her and her scene, uh, with the very next turn of the page. Yeah, and I I kind of don't know that I like what exactly happens here because when we transition over, it pretty much just seems like hers is just freaking out. Like, it's almost been delayed or something. And so hers is freaking out, and she's trying to figure out how to get out of it. She's not able to, uh, and it takes off. And whenever it takes off, it doesn't explode. Like, I just would have expected the way that the other two exploded, hers should have exploded as well. Not that I want Pop to die, but it makes more sense to me. Uh, instead, we kind of get this chase scene where Fat Gum and Monica is trying to chase it down and they're not able to catch up to it and it's rampaging and lo and behold, out of nowhere, we get Sukoichi that comes in for the win and it's pretty cool because he at first is like, oh man, I wish I had an All Might jacket and then he remembers that he bought one in the very first chapter that we covered from a souvenir shop. Okay, so a couple things real fast. Number one, the reason why hers doesn't explode uh, right when he presses the button is because they're basically programmed, I think, to run towards the evidence slash drugs to detonate. So like those, Okay, that makes more sense. The first two blew up right on the truck. Like they they right. were right where they were supposed to be. And the detective says they're destroying evidence. Like that's why they blew up there. And so this her crab mech is basically programmed to move in that direction as well. Um and it's not okay. Sukoichi 
uh, or Sukauchi that comes to the rescue. It's Koichi. Um, you said the detective uh, grabs. Uh, oh, did I say the yeah, detective? Did. Jeez, that's not yeah, what he I just meant. happens. I meant Koichi. He happens to <laughs> uh, kind of run into a stall that's selling these like limited edition weird collector versions of like their regional variants, basically of the All Might hoodies. Yeah. And so he ends up with one that's got like a, a local, like a local monument on it, and it's actually a real. A real thing. Oh, um, really? I did uh, ch- look that up online, and the uh, the Tower to Heaven is actually something that you can like visit in real life. It's it's actually called the Suit and Kaku. So, um, if you're ever in Japan, look up the Suit and Kaku. That is really cool. Um, but yeah, he's he's fretting because he he wants to intervene. Koichi does, but he's like, ah, if only I had an All Might hoodie. Which I was like, dude, don't let that stop you. Like, go be a hero and, you know, whatever. Why, why is this a big deal? Um, but Fat Gum's too slow to catch up. Uh, but Koichi's got, remember, in the last, I don't know, volume or two, he's discovered uh, that he's got uh, previously unknown levels of speed as he's been coached up by Ingenium. Uh, and so he catches up, uses his suction form basically to adhere himself onto the back of the crab mech uh, and works to get Pop out of there. I think the whole reason that he needed his suit is because he knows, I think he knows that Fat Gum is probably a pro hero and he is a vigilante and he doesn't want to get on Fat Gum's bad side. Because Fat Gum doesn't know who Koichi is outside of that earlier run-in and he only knew him as Koichi. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. But he, the funniest part is, and this is where this this chapter actually ends, this episode ends with uh, Koichi on the back of the, the crab mech and he's just like, hey, it's time to get you out of here. And she's like, all right, well, then do that. And he says, so, uh, well, how do I do that? And then she's just like, you useless idiot. And then that's it. That's the end. That's where we are ending our coverage. We don't know if Pop Step is going to explode. If I'm a betting man, uh, I would imagine not. Um, But it it was a really funny uh, place to end the chapters nonetheless. I thought so, too. Uh, I, I imagine they won't even cover it. Like, they'll start the next chapter o- opening with, like, the resolution of this, you know? I feel like they've, they've done that in the past where... You know that the people are going to be saved. They don't waste their time trying to explain that pit of the story. They just go right into the next issue. But we'll see. Yeah, and these four chapters were good. I mean, they were really entertaining. Yeah, they, were they were funny. I mean, there were times where I was laughing out loud as I read. Definitely a major improvement over the previous four. I would put these four chapters up as some of the best content in Vigilante so far. Like, it just... It sticks in my mind. I thought it was very excellently paced. Um, you got to meet one new character that we both really enjoyed and hope to see more of. Like, what more could you ask for over the span of four chapters, right? Lots of action, lots of laughed, brand new character who we hope at least, you know, has a spotlight cameo every now and then. Uh, so excellence across the board. These four chapters really enjoyed yeah. them. And two cameos, two cameos of characters that we both love too. I mean, Aizawa and Fakum are staples. So this, those four chapters, they definitely salvaged volume five. Like I was very down uh, on the way that volume five started last time we sat and, and spoke. Um, but these four chapters salvage that. They bring this volume back up as, as one that, you know, I may very well pick up and read again. I might skip the first four chapters, but <laughs> I'll get back around to the, the episodes that we covered today That's anyway. Funny. That's funny. Well, man, I think last time we covered a uh, actual Vigilante's uh, chapters, we talked about casting Momo for this episode. So I'm interested in who you've got. Okay. Um, I'm, I've struggled with Momo. So initially I thought I, I really knew who I was going to cast. Uh, and I ended up with two names. Okay. And the first one is the person who I initially thought like in my mind, I was like, this person might be a really good Momo. The problem with this person is that she has only really done something that required any kind of real physicality to it, possibly once. Um, her name is uh, Molly Ephraim. Do you know who this is? I don't. Molly Ephraim. Ephraim. Um, she is... Have you ever seen the show Last Man Standing with uh, Tim Allen? I have not. Okay, well, she plays the middle daughter. Um, okay. she's a very, very gorgeous girl. But the only, but in that show, she just plays a ditzy character, like um, just not very sharp. You know, definitely not the sharpest tool in the shed. So she's very good at comedy and delivery. Um, but the only thing that she's been in that even maybe even approaches possibly being um, action oriented was that she was in the second Paranormal Activity movie. I want to say, um, and there's. 
minimum physicality to those. So I'm not sure if she could do the part really well because Momo, you know, she's a hero. She gets physical. Yeah. Um, now, she, I, I do think that Molly meets the beauty standards of Momo, but I don't know that she could fill that part really well. So here's my alternative casting. Um, and this was somebody that I was wanting to fit in to my hero anyway. And initially, I th- actually had her cast as Cammy, who we ha- also haven't cast yet. I think she would make an excellent Cammy, but I want to see her more because I really like this person. So I'm putting her as Momo. She will have to get a dye job because she's uh, a blonde. She's naturally a blonde. But it's Samara Weaving. Do you know who that is? I don't off the top of my head. I'm looking it up right now. So Samara Weaving is in um, the uh, the things that I've seen her in most recently are the babysitter movies on Netflix, the the comedy horror movies. Um, and she's in a couple other horror movies. Um, I think she's Hugo Weaving's daughter and she is gorgeous and huh. she definitely has that very physical ability. Um, so I think if you straighten her hair some uh, and and darken it up, I think she would actually be a really, really good Momo. I actually, I mean, I don't... definitely like looking at her. So <laughs> I don't recognize her in anything. Like I've never seen any of these movies, uh, but cool. Okay. This if you haven't seen Guns Akimbo with Daniel Radcliffe, she's, she's very beat up in that movie. She plays like this mercenary or this assassin. And so it's hard to tell who she is in that really. Um, but she is really, really good. And that movie really sold me on her just being able to kick ass as Momo. I've heard that this is Very an, good an incredible movie. So one I've been meaning to check out for sure. I recommend the babysitter movies too on uh, Netflix. The second one just came out like two weeks ago. Um, they're not the best like horror comedy movies ever, but I think I, that I watched I that really last year. Uh, is that the one where the babysitter is actually like, well, I don't want to spoil it. Uh, we won't spoil yeah, it, but I know which one. one. Okay. Yeah. 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 So Samara Weaving plays B. She plays gotcha. the babysitter. Okay. Yes. Then I do recognize gorgeous. her. Yeah. Okay. I could see that. Um, I, so went I think with, she's my final casting. I went with someone that you will definitely know. Uh, it is Kat Dennings. She was in the Thor movie. Uh, she's also in Two yeah. Broke Girls. I've never watched that one, but I liked her a lot in the Thor movies. Uh, I feel just, she just looks the part. You know what I mean? Yeah, I really tried hard to find like an Asian American actor or even That's an fair. Asian actress um, to to find for Momo. And it, Samara Weaving doesn't fit the bill, and neither does Molly for that matter. But I did try. Um, but yeah, I can see uh, Miss Dennings in that role too. Again, she's very, you know, Momo. Part of her shtick is that she's very attractive. And that's not just like from us outside looking in, like the, the conversation, the dialogue from the students is that she's extremely attractive. Um, so you had to cast along those lines somewhere. Right. So yeah, I could see either one of ours working. I just really, uh, I, I adore Samara Weaving. Um, I haven't seen something with her in it that I just really disliked. So I wanted to find a place for her. And initially I thought she would make an excellent Kimmy. And I do think that she would make a, an amazing Kimmy, but I also want to see her more than we see Kimmy. So I'll figure something else out for Kami later. Yeah, Kami is one that didn't show up a whole lot until more recent in My Hero, because she was really just in the last, really the last couple of episodes, or the last season, I guess. Um, she showed up early on, kind of in the background, but you're right, I'd like to see more of that character. I'd like to see more of those villains in general. They're really, really neat characters. There's still a lot that I want to see in My Hero. Like I know at some point, Class 1B becomes more prominent and i'm excited for that too yeah that, like, that is you exciting. know we so far they've kind of been mostly the butt of jokes and mostly a place for for there to be a sense of rivalry amongst some of the students but i'm really looking forward to them being a bigger part and us getting to know some of the other characters in that space so i'm i'm super looking forward to that see and the thing i'm really looking forward to is more exploration of the past like what i guess eight people that have had uh, All Might's power, the one for all. So I'm looking, I'm really looking forward to learning more about that history. That is what it really gets me. We've got a lot to look forward to, and it's really hard to be on the internet at all and not see some of the, um, some spoilers or at least some context that could be spoilery for what's currently going on in the manga. That's true. So I try to stay away from it all. <laughs> I do too. Like I've, I've removed myself from a couple of Facebook groups that I had initially joined just to kind of be a part of conversations as, uh, you know, as, as the podcast. 
Uh, but yeah, it's the, some big things are definitely going on. There have been some whispers of that even inside of the Discord from a couple of the people that that talk about it in there. That it's a spoiler-free zone still. So if you're listening and you're not a part of the Discord, highly recommend you join. We do uh, chat. Uh, when things come up, I mean, not, it's not like we're posting in there every day. We're not a bunch of noise, but um, we'll, we'll share art and talk uh, talk about theories and some of the other people who have, are current on the manga will let us ask questions and try to answer them without being spoilery, um, which is a really fun exercise to try to figure out what question you can even ask. Um, yeah. yeah no joke. <laughs> so, uh, and Adam and I, before we started recording, we're trying to figure out a way to um, host kind of a live watch party for the new My Hero Academia movie that releases here in America in the next two or three weeks, sometime in October. I think it's the 13th. Um, so we'll probably record an episode for that. That'll be a, a filler episode. But we're also talking about just figuring out a way for everybody to kind of hit play on the movie all at the same time and be in on a Discord chat channel and just just talk uh, as we watch this thing together. So you can only do that if you're part of the Discord. Yeah, you should come join us. It's a lot of fun. We have a good time in there. And there's lots of channels in there where you can like play games and... We have all kinds of activities on our Discord. It's a lot of fun and a lot of good folks, too. Like, that's one thing that I consistently love to talk about our Discord is that there's just a lot of good people in there. Love good conversation, nice people. All right. My recommendation for our next casting. You ready? Yeah. Are you going to say Cammy? No. Oh, we can do Cammy, though. I mean, <laughs> well, no, I'm, I'm ready just, for Cammy right now. After you talking about your Cammy, I was like, oh, he's going he's gonna to mention Cammy. But no, I'm Do you want to okay. do Cammy? No, no, no. Who are you going to say? I was thinking Recovery Girl. Ooh, I like that one, but I thought we've done Recovery Girl. I could have sworn we I did I don't Recovery think we Girl. have. Huh. Okay. All right. Well, then let's do Recovery Girl. Recovery Girl it is. Well, well I think I'll we'll do think it. That's going to that wrap we'll us up. We'll do it. Yeah. Next time we sit down together, we'll do the next four episodes of Vigilantes because the anime has, uh, we still don't even have a release date for season five quite yet, to my knowledge. So, no, not that I know of. Uh, unfortunately, I'm looking forward to it, though. I really can't wait. Like, it's something I've been looking forward to for a while. And then watching those OVAs really just, I oh, just like re re sparked that flame, you know? Yep. In the, in the time between episodes, go uh, give us a follow on Twitter and leave us a review on iTunes, jump in on the discord. So you don't miss that, uh, that, that uh, live watch through of the movie with the two of us and some other friends of ours. So uh, lots, lots of ways to stay connected to us so that we can stay connected to you. That's our ultimate goal. Not just that we get a bunch of likes and follows, but that uh, the conversation around the show that we care about and want to talk about continues. Uh, even when we, we aren't, we don't have a record button depressed. Absolutely. And the more friends, the better. And we, we love having folks around. So, all right, guys, we'll see you next week. See ya. Or in two weeks, whatever our recording schedule is, we'll figure it out. <laughs>